Rob and Carl's excellent podcast show. Hi, Carl. Greetings, Rob. It's time to start relaxing. I hope we get this right. It's time to listen to our extra show tonight. It's time for my new stories and my wild style It's time to laugh out loud, together or alone. I'll be a record breaker. I'll review all of my songs. Can I get original or cover? Other interesting segments. And now let's get this started. It's time to get this started on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, innovational. This is our excellent podcast show. <laughs> Cheeky Nando's.
stories rolled into one. A tree has been ripped from its roots in Great Yarmouth as Storm Eunice caused havoc across the county. A tree on Stonecutter's Way by Howard Street South Car Park behind the old Palmer's department store has been ripped from its roots and is blocking a section of payment. God forbid. Hazel Stewart, currently staying at an Airbnb in the area, said, The tree was there when I last saw it. It was definitely there yesterday and I'm sure it was there this morning. Mrs. Stewart, 73 and visiting from Leicester, said she and her family had been inside all day except once in the morning to take the dogs for a walk. Seeing stuff like that does make me worried, Mrs. Stewart said, but with a more of a Leicestershire accent, perhaps. This comes as Norfolk Police tweeted to advise people to stay indoors unless necessary. Yes, so the Norfolk Police tweeted, do not leave your house unless absolutely necessary as strong winds continue to hit the county. So, despite a chunk of a shop front falling during gale force winds in Norwich, shoppers were determined to hit the high street anyway. Winds have been wreaking havoc across the city with the frontage of Poundland and St. Stephen Street ripped clean off. Eyewitnesses says the chunk missed pedestrians on the street below by a fraction. But what kind of fraction? It could be one one millionth. It could be, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do they mean? Uh, the first section of frontage fell into the St. Stephen Street redevelopment works. The second section then came loose but hit fencing panels on its fall, thus protecting shoppers below, who should have really stayed indoors like the police tweeted and told them to do so. George Gibbs had popped St. Stephen Street on his lunch break to pick up some food. He said, the last few days, the wind has certainly been blowing me the whole way home. Today's the worst as it started raining. I think I'll stay in for a while now. Yes, now that the storm has kind of subsided. Yes, go out when it's, uh, it's its peak, why don't you? And while most ran for shelter, Sophie Large decided to do the opposite. She explained, I'm out and about because of the weather. I was inside and could hear the wind howling. It's really exciting. But maybe now it's more dangerous than I realise now. I love it when it's blowing a gale or breezy. A gale or breezy. Right, just to let you know, a gale is about 24 to 30 miles per hour. A storm is 64 to 72 miles an hour. And breezy, a gentle breeze is between 7 and 11 miles per hour. So there you go. Thank you. Well done, uh, Sophie. Bit of a difference. Mm. Yes. So I live in the city, so I don't have to travel too far if it gets out of hand. But I'm worried for people who have to go out and travel. Commuting can't be fun, but I think this is nice to blow away the cobwebs. Yes, and front signages, obviously. Meanwhile, David Rope, who was also in the city centre as the storm drew closer, added, I just wanted to get out for some fresh air, so I'll take the weather as it comes. I'm not concerned for my safety. There are a lot more concerning things happening. The idea of cladding or shop fronts coming off doesn't worry me. Elsewhere in the city, many businesses owners, owners have decided to shut up shop waiting for the storm to pass with only a handful of traders selling merchandise on the Norwich market. I find it weird. I'm not concerned for my safety. There are a lot more concerning things happening. Mm -hmm. not, when a, not when a shop sign is probably hurtling at you at... Well, Storm Eunice was... Uh, the, the highest ever was, it was, sorry, the highest ever storm recorded in, in uh, England 
122 miles per hour. So I'd like to know what was more concerning, you know? Because there is a question is which I could give you the answer to, but I'm not going to because I've seen your doctor questions later. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> About the speed of something. Right. Um, no, it is, it is interesting people's perception on on kind of what's acceptable and, and isn't. I, I remember uh, the, the couple of days leading up to the storm and the day of the storm, we had, we had the radio on at work and on the news, they, they were advising people not to go out and take selfies in front of the sea because of the risk of being swept out by crashing waves. And, and it's like the fact that people have to be told not to do these sorts of things, just, just, ah, oh, just, it's crazy, isn't it? That is, it's, it's, I mean, the thing is, it's like, what, what, are they, what are they hoping to achieve? It's like, here you go, some little, you know, what are they gonna get in the picture? Here's a giant wave, do you know what I mean? It's almost mm. like people who kind of like, you see them on the website, or oh, this, sec- this, <clears throat> this picture was taken a split second before they had their head ripped off by the polar bear they were stood in front of. Yeah, yeah. You know, or they fell down a, a great big ravine. You know, it's like, goodness me. But anyway, no, I, I did mention obviously about uh, hurricanes and stuff, but just, just as a comparable, I, I did touch upon the speeds of certain types of wind. And so a gentle breeze, as I was saying, it's measured, uh, the official measurement is between seven and 11 miles per hour. A strong gale is, uh, so I guess she's from Coronation Street, is between 24 and 30 miles per hour. A storm is 64 to 72 miles per hour, and a hurricane is anything over 72. So I guess Storm Eunice could be considered a hurricane. Because did, I don't know if you ever saw, there was a gentleman, I can't remember what it's called now, something to do with, um, he has a, a website where he uh, basically plops himself outside Heathrow Airport and films airplanes landing. And so, yes, with the there wind. was some of that where they were trying to, to land in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually did watch some of that over my my lunchtime. With I guess with the morbid curiosity in in terms of, you know, like to see a plane kind of blown over or something, a Virgin Atlantic one, one that one owned by Richard Branson because I can't stand him. But yeah, no, it's different different storms, different uh, names of storms. Yeah. I don't think they'll ever yes, get yeah. to an R. Have it, has there ever been a storm calm? I mean, that's oh, a question. I don't know. It's I don't know because they obviously go in alphabetical order, don't they? And apparently it starts in the September of one year and goes through to the August of, of the next year. So it starts at A, works its way through. A. Actually, only two W. There's, there's five letters that aren't, aren't included. But no, they, they're basically named in, in alphabetical order. Wow. So we've, had, we've just had Franklin, haven't we? That hit. Um, yeah. Shortly after Eunice, and Gladys is the next. Gladys. Storm Gladys. Yeah, I'm Gladys sorry. and Hermit. Gladys, right. I would, I would expect Storm Gladys just to specifically blow old people over. <laughs> I don't know why. That's kind of like, specifically old, fragile ladies who are walking to the town to yeah. get themselves some tomatoes for their dinner <laughs> or for their salad or something like that. But. Uh, no, because what's the earliest storm that you can remember? Oh, that'd be 87. Yes, I was going to say, is that yeah, the famous October, Michael October 87, yeah, that's right, I, yeah. I was thinking back to that, because, and this is, this is the thing that I miss about, uh, or yeah, 
the the old the, I'm not going to say the good old days because they don't necessarily exist, but I liked it before because you would have Radio Broadland on, and you would listen for the names of all the schools that are closing. Yeah, and so you'd be like they'd be glued, and you'd be like. Oh, and so you'd still be getting ready for school, and then every time yeah. they do announcements, you'd be like, "Oh, come on, come on!" And they'd say, "You know, say you're high school," and you'd be like, "Yes, yes, you'd be day like, off school, exactly, <laughs> to, to, to yeah. do nothing." I remember me and my brother tried to close our back gate because it was like the wind had blown it open, and we were like kicking it shut and um, putting a bolt across it. I remember that, but um, it didn't feel like super duper kind of windy, you know. We have stuff being ripped off of you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, I did tie a few bits up and pieces and put it in my garage. So what's, what's what you say, Gladys, what's next after that then? Gladys, Herman. Herman. Um, yeah, and then Amani, which uh, is, is a little bit more of a, uh, a less common name. Yeah, trying to keep but it more modern. Interestingly, the, the, letters, the letters that, that aren't included are Q, U, X, Y, and Z. And apparently it's to, um, maintain consistency with the official uh, storm and storm naming in the Atlantic Ocean. So they obviously exclude those letters and therefore the UK does as well. So the, each country, I think, kind of names its own own storms. And apparently you can actually make suggestions to the Met Office and that there is there is an email address that you can you can actually submit suggestions for. And it's name our storms at metoffice.gov.uk which is interesting. So you can you can make whatever suggestions you like. And uh, I had a look at some of the rejected ones that have been suggested in the past. And uh, uh, this this first one I think would be fantastic for a storm, which is Baldrick for the bees. Baldrick. Uh, Baldrick from Blackadder. Storm Baldrick. Yeah, no, absolutely. Storm Baldrick. Storm Baldrick, I think would be great, yeah. Big Boss was another one. Nasher from Dennis the Menace, the Beano. Vader, Storm Vader has a has a, a kind of a uh, a good ring to it, and uh, Megatron would be another one. So uh, some yeah, some good suggestions there. So I'll have to have to get the old thinking cap on and see if we can come up with some storm names. Something I was trying to think of something related to to uh, to blowy kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't imagine for one moment that they they get too far up. Like they'll, I, I don't mm. think there'll ever be a storm Rob. I mean, maybe a storm Bob, but then Bob's kind of like mm-hmm. I'm. I think when I hit fifty, I might change my name to to Bob. So seven more years, I'll be uh, <laughs> change my name to Bob, and um, probably a little bit more kind of chilled out. Perhaps I think I did have a quick look online to do with. Um, some, some storms and, and bits and pieces. And I think it's only really been since, did you say 2014 or something that they've started to officially name all these things. But I find it odd that they do name them because isn't it just the same wind? You know what I mean? It's not like a new yeah, wind. I suppose so. It's mm. the same wind. Because we did go to, um, was it Ormsby? And uh, sorry, because where it was windy, it wasn't on the day of the actual massive storm, but it's still quite windy as in the, it was the build up to the massive uh, gust. And so we went to, I think it was Ormsby where they've got those um, wind turbines, turbines, turbines (laughs) in the the fields. And as we were driving from Norwich to to Yarmouth, 
or, or that way on the Acre Strait, I, I mentioned to my son, I said, you see all those wind turbines? I said, what we should do is find out where the electronics are and switch all of the cables the other way around. So instead of the, ro the, the blades rotating one way, they, they, we, we, we switch them back so they can rotate in the other way. And what we'll do is we'll blow the storm away from us. <laughs> but, you know, he was all up for it, but then we couldn't find the boxes, so... Um, Reverse the flow of the neutron field. We should have, uh, instead of wind uh, turbines, you should have the, the waves, right? Because wind, it can be, you know, it comes and goes, right? But you have, the waves are a constant. So when you have like those is the things that generate, that's the thing mm. that we should be concentrating on because the waves will always be, as long as the moon doesn't blow up, we'll always get waves.
A father was outraged to discover his wife had been leaving their baby in an unlocked car. Deciding to teach her a lesson, he led, to, he led her to believe that their son had gone missing. A dad was furious after discovering his wife's horrific habit two months ago and wanted to stress to her the severity of her behaviour. However, he does fear he might have taken things too far. While ordering lunch together via the Subway app, he asked his wife to choose a location with a drive-thru so that they didn't need to actually go inside which would mean them going through the rigmarole of taking their son out of his car seat and popping him straight back in again. However, it was at this point that the man's wife dropped a revelation that generally worried him, telling him that it's not a big deal to leave the baby in the car to run in and pick it up really fast. Taking to Reddit, the concerned husband wrote, I had no idea she ever did this. I told her I was not comfortable with her leaving him in a car alone, even for a minute and she told me she's been doing it since he was born and it's always been fine. She told me she does it to pick up food, run to the post office or pharmacy, etc. I was floored. We don't live in a horrible area, but it's also not super safe either. I told her to never ever do this again. After he confronted her, the wife explained she'd never stopped to think about the potential dangers and promised that she would stop doing it from then on. However, it soon became apparent that she hadn't taken his words to heart. Whilst driving home from his brother's house, the dad, who's goaded by the username Limpaja or whatever, noticed his wife's car. No, say it. Limpaja. Q N Z I A. Noticed his wife's car parked outside their local gas station and figuring she'd gone to get snacks, decided to pop his head into the store to say hello. However, after pulling up and parking next to his wife's car, the, the, the guy was furious to see that his son had yet again been left unattended in his car seat. Even more worryingly, the car was unlocked. The enraged dad continued, I don't know what came over me, but in that moment I decided to take my son and put him in my car. He's got a car seat too, yes. I then drove to the other side of the gas station parking lot and waited for my wife to come out. It took six minutes for her to appear. When she saw that he was gone, she looked stunned for a second and then she started to frantically look, ar frantically look around and cry. He went on to clarify that she didn't, he didn't let this go on for too long and went over to show her that the child was safe and sound after, pull it, after she pulled out her phone, presumably to call 911. At first, his wife was extremely relieved to see that their son was absolutely fine. However, that relief quickly turned to anger as she took in what her husband had done. Explaining his drastic actions, he told her she needed to learn her lesson, reminding her that she promised to stop leaving him in the car. There you go. Wow. I mean, just just leave, leaving, leaving the, the baby or the child in the car, even with it being locked, is, is bad enough. But then mm. to to leave the door unlocked, I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. No, I think I would probably have done the same. Yeah, well, it reminded me of a story where this woman, she, I think, I, I don't know where, she was an architect or she was, she, um, she went to her workplace to quickly go in and to grab something and she was in there literally a minute and what happened was she got out of her car and the car handbrake i don't think was on properly and her baby was in the back and then the car went into the river 
No, and really. I think she came out and she thought someone had stolen their car, but actually her kid was in the car and the bait and the, the child drowned. Wow. And or something like that, something along the lines of that. And you just think, you know, that's that's going to haunt you for the rest of your life, isn't mm. it? And, and and for the sake of I know I mean, car seats now, I know they're super duper secure. I mean my the one that we got for our son, obviously, because children have to face backwards. It was—he he looked like um, Doctor Evil, you know. He's—you'd <laughs> spin him round in this little cocoon, you know. Yeah. He just needs a little something furry to, to stroke. Uh, you know, a, a moment of just kind of thinking, "Oh, this will be okay," and, and to kind of have that hanging over your head for the rest of your life—it's uh, mm. not worth it, is it? Very. Um, not at all. Not at all. Very strange indeed. Anyway, let's, let's lighten the uh, the mood slightly. Um, yes, yes. Um, can, I, can I move on to a topic or, or, or you know a, an opportunity for, for obviously something to discuss? But just before I kind of get to the point of that, I was just going to ask. We've just we've just come come through February, mm. and one of the the seasonal moments of February is is, is Valentine's. And I was just going to ask: Did did Jack Jack Valentine visit at all at yours? This year, no, no, have you ever? No, has has he ever visited? Jack Valentine's ever visited. I've got something from my my wife, but Jack yeah. Valentine has Jack never. Jack Valentine. Oh, right. What is that? Are, are you about? aware of, of Jack Valentine? I don't know anything about it. Somewhat, I've somewhat no. a couple of people posted it. Just just strikes right. me some creepy creepy something dropping stuff <laughs> at your door. No thanks. Well, we've 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 done Jack Valentine with our kids ever since they were little, and I think this year was the first first year that, that we, we we didn't, and, and it was something I remember having when uh, when when I was a kid as well, and it's 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 something that is quite local to the Norfolk and Suffolk area, East Anglia, dates back or the first known account of it is in 1477 in Topcroft near Bungie, so uh, a little fact for you there, and and it basically started off with people leaving kind of mock presents in boxes most often often just filled with paper um that's not a present uh, no well well this is back, back in, in, in 1477 <laughs> so so paper oh, probably yeah. was and uh, apparently it, it actually encouraged mischievous children to then leave um things like dead herrings in these boxes instead but it it, it kind of soared in popularity during victorian times with the character jack valentine leaving gifts to loved ones, uh, usually in the form of an, an anonymous parcel uh, for their intended sweethearts. And obviously this has then kind of changed and evolved o- over years. And, and, and essentially what it is now is, is, is parents leaving presents, usually s- sweets and chocolates um, at the door for, for their kids. And, you know, many a time I've, I've, I've kind of come home from, from work and, and gone out and got a couple of little, you know, gift bags of, of treats for the kids and you kind of if you can get away a little bit early great stuff uh from from work and you you, you bang on the door and then you kind of scuttle away and, and hide around the corner for another five ten minutes so the kids then don't think it, it's it's you and yeah it's just it's, it's just always been a little bit of a little bit of fun but it, it's it's kind of a little bit hit and miss with people kind of knowing about it and actually actually doing it so it's interesting that you've 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 never no. partook in this particular festive um festive activity no one year my wife did say to me get me something that makes me feel special so i got her a lovely (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you should have saved that one to the end. Very good, very good. I bet she, I bet she loved it. Um, so there we are. That, that's 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 Jack Valentine. So so maybe next year. So if you're feeling inspired by by this um, no. local tradition, um, you know next next Valentine is is your opportunity to do it. But but before mm. you do, before you do, it is actually illegal under an 1813, uh, 1839 law to willfully and wantfully disrupt any inhabitant by pulling or ringing on the doorbell, that goes to show how old it is, or knocking at uh, any door without a uh, lawful excuse. So if you are going about pretending to be Jack Valentine, you could actually be breaking the law. Well, no, because it's your own house, isn't it? You're knocking on. Oh, what so are you doing for somebody else? Oh, but I guess you're still disturbing the, uh, I don't know, but no, it's, no, that's an interesting one uh, you said about that, because I was looking at some strange laws and there was one I, I thought was, this, uh, it was handling salmon in a suspicious circumstances. And mm-hmm. I think it was from the Salmon Act in 1986. The ban is to obviously stop to the ban of poaching of, of salmon. Yeah, but I just wonder how do you handle the salmon in suspicious circumstances? Yeah, suspicious. <laughs> you know, it's like when it's like, oh, that guy over there, he looks suspicious. What the guy in the kind of black mask and the black and white stripy top yeah. with a uh, swag bag <laughs> over his shoulder. No, I find that, because um, because there's another one as well. Which I I thought. I didn't believe it was true or not and stuff, but they said killing a swan is an act of treason. Because apparently mm, the, queen, the queen... Yeah. yeah, well, queen is the only person to allowed, only allowed to eat swan meat. How very peculiar. That was, that was strange laws. Strange viewing, have you watched anything strange? Did you watch any romantic movies over um, Valentine's? No, I have to confess, I've, I've not, not really watched very much at all, apart from... Obviously, a, a movie we're going to talk about very shortly. Um, the only, the only other thing I've, I've, I've really sort of watched, which was today, I managed to get the first episode of uh, Toast of Tinseltown watched, which uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, it's it's good, isn't it? It's um... mm. looking forward because it, 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 it's obviously got that. It's kind of that transition piece, isn't it, from uh, from the old, the old existing format of, of Toast of London. And I imagine from from here on it will be uh, more Tinseltown than, than than London. So yeah, looking forward to uh, watching the rest of the uh, the series. I thought Ray Purchase sounded different in the uh, in the show. <clears throat> I don't know if it was like mm. his, his voice just sounded uh, slightly changed. But his um, in 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 real life, I think his name's Harry Peacock, and his dad was the kind of scruffy looking guy in the Vicar of Dibley, which I never, ever watched. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that, I didn't know that. You never watched Vicar of Dibley? No, I didn't, know. Because didn't the lady who was the dipsy one, who used to tell the jokes, didn't she mm-hmm. die of cancer quite a few years back? I believe back so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, There's really not many of them left at all now. I think there might only be Dawn French and, um, Possibly Hugo. Oh, the guy from Four Winds and the Funeral, is it? Yeah. Yes. So that's not too... Well, sad. Well, um, well, it's good that you started to watch Toast of Tinseltown. I've started to watch a few more of the Cobra Kai's. Um, Fantastic. How are you finding it? Uh, better better than um, 
better than it was. Um, I thought the, the story arc for Terry Silver is, is interesting. Mm -hmm. That it wasn't just a straightforward kind of crease to go yeah. to see him and, and everything else. Yeah. There was that transitional yeah. bit, um, some more I was flashbacks. Presently, presently sort of surprised and pleased at, at that. And yeah, it added a bit, of, a bit more depth to, uh, to Terry, which was, which was great. Well, that's the thing. So I've still got, I don't know what, um, uh, what episode I'm up to. There's been the fight between Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso. That's episode five. That was episode five. Um, I'm just trying to figure out where I... Uh, there's one where, I, I don't know, I think it's episode five, which I'm up to. So I think I've got another five left to, nice. to go. I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting because there's one where obviously, one, I can't remember what episode it was, when Daniel, Daniel Russo is saying to his wife, like, oh yeah, I've, uh, or she said, is there anyone else going to come out of the woodwork? And he's like, no, mm. well, maybe one. And obviously there's that kid from... Um, Mike Barnes from Mike Cry Barnes. Kid 3. Yeah. So he's, he's available. But then obviously you've got this, the, the new story of, of his kid, uh, sorry, Daniel's kid, kind of bullying this other kid and then, mm -hmm. and oh, just, just everything. Clever reversal of roles again. Yeah, but the one thing I, I still have, there's something that's kind of come forward as a, as a new gripe for me. Not that I, I want to, to gripe about, about the TV show, but when you think about Johnny Lawrence, right, and the fact that he is an, he, he's basically an alcoholic, right? He drinks beer mm -hmm. all the time and his diet is extremely poor. So lots of processed food, just terrible diet, right? In real life, he would not be able to maintain that kind of level of kind of uh, kung fu, karate, stuff like that. His body would just not, yeah, he wouldn't have the energy, basically. He would just be pooped constantly. And he'd be quite unwell, I would imagine, by this stage of his life, if he's eating nothing but like that food for, you know, a long time. Because, interesting, I was watching this um, very short article um, about diets, and they had these twins. It's on the BBC website. I'm sure people who go to BBC News they can have a quick, quick look at it. And um, they have these two very fit twins. They go rowing. They they do all sorts of like weird stuff, um, but very, very athletic. One of them went on to a vegan diet, and one of them maintained their meat diet. And the fundamentals were because they were both very fit. It didn't necessarily change too much. Of, of kind of um, uh, of, the, of their performance. One, I think, when the one who adapted to like being a vegan was, was tired a little bit to begin with, but then soon got used to it because he was craving meat. Because obviously, you know, you have that, that it's, it's high in protein, especially, you know, uh, chicken, turkey, those things. What, what interested me most of all, and this is a question that I've raised with, with um, friends of mine, um, just, just in passing, we've talked about diets and everything else, that when people change to say like a vegan diet, like when, when, you're, looking at, uh, when you're looking at kind of like tofu and, and everything else, it's highly processed. And this article at the end, they're saying like one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they turn into, to change their diets to a vegan diet is that suddenly they're buying this really highly processed food. So it's, it's basically food that what you presented with is nowhere near, like for example, tofu, 
is highly processed. Granola is highly processed. And so the, the way that the body deals with that kind of thing is it just doesn't, doesn't enjoy it. It doesn't like it, doesn't, you know, it, it can um, it be counter, uh, counteractive to you eating healthily. But no, I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd put it as interesting. Splinters.
Penny McNatt tried to flirt with her cute landlord in the hopes of getting cheaper rent, but her plan backfired after she sent after she sent him a selfie whilst talking about taps. Whether you're paying rent or paying off your mortgage, we'd all love for things around the house to be a little bit cheaper. But one woman from the US who tried to get her rent payments lowered has found her method didn't go quite to plan. As it turned out, her landlord wasn't remotely interested in flirting with her. Penny McNatt revealed on her TikTok account, at Penny underscore McNatt, she got in touch with her cute landlord over text messages when she contacted him about a faulty tap in her kitchen and thought she would lure him in with a cheeky selfie. Sharing her flirting fail in the text messages, the 25-year-old mum of two told the landlord, Hey, my tap in the kitchen is acting up again. The homeowner quickly asked Penny to send a picture of it so he could properly access, assess the problem and the woman was eager to comply by sending him a photo of herself pointing to the tap. Her landlord then asked for a close-up, and Penny saw her opportunity to charm him with her beauty, and sent him a close-up selfie that showed off her smile. But things don't, didn't go according to plan, and instead of swooning over Penny's looks, her landlord was less than impressed by her antics and replied, Of the tap, not you. <laughs> the woman had no choice but to play it cool as she then told her landlord, Oh yeah, my bad. Penny's video has since gone viral with more than 8.1 million views and commentators shared the woman's pain as they noted their own second-hand embarrassment whilst watching the clip. I could have second-hand embarrassment. I, mm, I don't know. So there you go. Have you ever tried to flirt with somebody to get something that you wanted a little bit cheaper? Um, nothing springs to mind, I'm afraid. No. Only How with about, your yourself. <laughs> have I ever flirted with anyone to get anything cheaper? Um, I, I tried to be a bit cool and suave, but it completely backfired because I realised that I'm not cool and suave. I'm just um, slightly tubby and normal. We'll practice on that one, I think. Uh, so, so next up is, uh, so we haven't done one of these in a while, but it's a film review, isn't it? We've mentioned it twice in the, how they amended the ending and then they put the ending back. And so it's the, the 1999 film Fight Club. Whoa, I hold, hold you there, hold you there. First rule, first rule of Fight Club. Can't talk about Fight Club. People are talking about Fight Club. I'm Bob, I've got bitch tits. Meatloaf. <laughs> Meat was the, we had Meatloaf in there, uh, Edward Norton, Brad yeah. Pitt, um, Helen Jared Bonham Leto. Quarter. Helen, yeah, Carter, sorry. Quite a quite a, a, a solid cast. Indeed, I think Ed Norton. I really like Ed Norton. I think he's very attractive, a very handsome man. Is Ed Norton? But obviously, I think you say underrated the, actor then. Yeah, the, well, I think he's an underrated actor. Of course, he is. But I, he's, I don't know. I just, you know, when you you look at someone, you just think, I like. Their, their face and their hairline and, and just how they are. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the same with um, Robert Downey Jr. and especially in Due Date. I look at him and I think in that film, you know, you, you are a uh, cool dude. But no, it's um, from, yeah, 1999. I pr probably, last time I watched it was around about 20 years ago. Yeah, snap. Mm. Snap, it was 
possibly DVD, might have been video, rented it. But yeah, back in, I'd probably say the very early 2000s, just after it, just after it kind of came out, I think. Well, it didn't do too well, I think. It was, um, no. I think I read somewhere it was um, released, yeah, September in like the, the Venice or Cannes Film Festival or whatever it was, and then officially released October 1999. Had a budget of 63 to 65 million dollars mm -hmm. and only grossed 101. And I think mm. at the time the, the critics were quite quite critical of it. It was only when it, about 10 years later that they reviewed it all after it had become a cult classic. Mm. And they'd gone, oh yeah, isn't this wonderful? But then they, they'd done that with other films as well. The, uh, the, the, the stupid critics, where they go back and go, yeah. oh yeah, it's great. It's like, no, stick to what you... They don't you... quite get it at the time, do they? They exactly. don't appreciate the, the brilliance of, of, of some of these movies. I think, I think it's, it's easy to do that, isn't it? You can sit down and you've got a certain expectation of what a movie's going to be based on maybe who's in it or... Uh, the director, or just from just from the trailer, and sometimes it just doesn't live up to the expectation. Mm. So and as you watch or rewatch it, sort of years later or at a later time, you kind of appreciate it for what it is because you know exactly what you're getting. Mm. Well, this is the thing because at the time, going back obviously twenty odd years, then I was in my early twenties, just obviously mm. finished university. <clears throat> oh, at universities for a couple of years, and. No, actually, no, I was still in uni, I think, 2000. Just the whole thing about, yeah, the anti-marketing, because at the, at the same time you had, like, um, Naomi, not Naomi Klein, there was some book about... There was just basically anti-kind of branding and that anti-marketing thing that was getting mm -hmm. quite, quite big and, you know, a bit of momentum behind it. So when you watch the movie, you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and the, the, and the sound, the, the sound bites that obviously Brad Pitt is saying, you, say, you are not your car keys, because obviously Gap was really popular at that time. You know, they're not, mm. they they've hardly got any shops open. I don't think they have any shops open now. They're completely fallen by the wayside. But just that whole thing that they're, they're portraying in, in the movie, um, and I was going to say, how did you feel from watching it then to watching it now? Did did you feel any different? Maybe I, I, I've I've probably only got very vague recollections of watching the movie the the, the first time round. Obviously, there's the the big twist just near the end. If you've not seen it, watch it. Um, or don't listen to this, or, or do listen to this and make make a decision on whether you want to watch, watch it. Yeah, and um, just just spill the beans. Don't worry about it. And no, no, I hate, I hate getting spoilers myself. So just 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 put that in there. The movie's um, so been I'm, out for twenty three years, <laughs> but there's still people that haven't seen it. Well, they just so, fast forward um, this bit, or they just don't listen to our yeah, podcast. Yeah, just just skip skip through this. Um, so I, I I don't have that many that much of a recollection of of the movie from the first time around, let's say 20 years, I've trouble remembering a couple of weeks ago, let alone that, that, that long. Mm. But watch, watching it this time around, it, it's, it is a really, really good movie. I mean, David Fincher is, is a director. I've seen several of his, his movies and always enjoyed them. What other movies um, has he done then? Uh, seven. With oh. Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, uh, I remember Dennis, with... Dennis Penis asked, uh, Morgan Freeman, the best question 
because it didn't seem like it was at the best head you'd ever been given in a movie. <laughs> mm. Panic, Panic Room is another one with Jodie Foster and a very oh. uh, young uh, Kirsten Stewart. I think it was her first role or, or one of her very first roles. Um, also had Jared Leto in, in that movie as well. Um, I mean, the first movie that I, I saw of his, which was his first movie, was, was Alien 3, which at, mm. at the time quite disappointed with being such a big fan of the first two movies and the kind of direction that it, that it went in. Um, was it called uh, Alien 3 was, then? It was called Alien 3. Because you obviously yeah. had Alien and then Aliens. Aliens. I just wonder if they called Aliens. Aliens. No, Alien 3, Alien oh, 3. I missed a trick um, I, I know he had a, an awful lot of trouble on that, on that particular shoot where the studio interfered a lot. And, and I know Sigourney Weaver had a particular plan in mind in terms of where she wanted the movie to, to go and also with um, She's become a director her character as well. And um, I, I, I think there was, there was, a, there was a, a lot of kind of challenges and conflict on, on that particular shoot. I do need to rewatch. I mean, all, all the aliens, if, if I'm honest, and, and I'm particularly keen to see this one because I think it's it's the one I've seen the least. Um, anyway, we're, we're sort of digressing there. Um, mm. Love, Death, and Robots on on Netflix, which is a fantastic animated series. I know he's one of the exec executive producers on 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 that show. Um, that's 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 really really good. Um, a little bit of trivia for you, just just before we get back onto the topic of Fight Club. Um, David Fincher was actually an assistant cameraman on Return of the Jedi. Wow, I didn't know that. No, neither did I. Neither did I. So, interesting little fact there. But uh, getting back to the movie, it's, it's got a lot of commentary in there. Um, consumerism, mm. you know, slaves to the system unattainable goals, finding a purpose in, in, in life and within yourself. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a movie that you can actually get quite a lot from. I think watching it a down. second time, like <clears throat> if you watch, say for example, these our listeners who haven't watched it, then you watch it and then when obviously you, you, you get to the twist at the end, when you go back and you watch it again, you suddenly mm. realise, oh yeah, especially with Helena Von Carter's character. Marla, yeah. that suddenly like, all right, okay, that's that's interesting because it actually makes sense that what he's saying to her and her response, yeah. and you just think, oh, because she's slightly odd. But one of the things I found as well, the way it is filmed, like even when they're on the aeroplane, even when it should be in a fairly well lit kind of environment, it just felt dark, mm. you know. And then suddenly I think it looked quite it, intentional. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Then it would be bright. And then it kind of got dark a little bit near the end and stuff. So I, 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 I've, I kind of appreciated that a little bit more. I think I maybe, I think when I watched it, I was at uni, so I think someone had downloaded it. So I thought, oh, it's probably just to do with a copy that I've just been watching. No, it was, I think the way, obviously the way it's all filmed, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, th I think they intentionally went for a, a, a grainy look, the type of film that they used, and then the fact they had to kind of blow it up to uh, to a particular size added to the grain so it added a, a kind of a grubbiness to the uh, to, to the look they they didn't want it being all, all crisp and, and, and clean and clear and that that does give it uh, a little bit of substance as, as, as you're watching it on the on the screen but the cinematography throughout is is absolutely fantastic and it's very it's, it's very david finch 
in, in, in his, his style. I, I think you sort of look at some of his other movies, stuff like Panic Room, and uh, you, can, you can tell that there's, there's, a, there's a visual aesthetic to his, his movies and the way that he moves the camera and, and certain, certain shots. And um, yeah, he's got a very, very distinct style. I've only ever seen Seven once. I must confess, so have I. So have I. Back back in the when it first came out, in the day when it first came out, Panic Room. I've seen several times. That's that's a a good movie, and um, I know he's 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 done a load of others, and and really is a director. I think I should I should kind of indulge in some of his other other works a little bit more. Mm. So out of out of five five stars. How many would you give this? Ooh. Um. I'm going to say four. It's it, it is a really really good movie. It, it's it's a very clever movie. It's 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 clever in its use of of the narrator um, as as a character because obviously it's based on a on a book, and the um, uh, the, the the way that the the, the narrator talks throughout um, is is not a norm of, of a lot of movies. So I thought that was that was very clever. Again, the cinematography, the social commentary in there, which, which we sort of mentioned, you know, essentially it, it's kind of don't follow the system, go out, be yourself, do your own thing. Don't be, don't be swayed in terms of, of who you think you should be through, you know, through the media, through fashion, movies, TVs, you know, music, food, podcasts, go out there and do it yourself. Do something for you is essentially well, the, the message I, I, I got from, from the movie. How would you think it'd be do? I mean, if you were to make that film nowadays, the whole thing that they're saying about you're not your bank account, you're not IKEA, because they focused on a lot mm. on IKEA. You know, that kind of got a bad rap and stuff like you know, getting this condo just right, and yeah. you're not you're not your car keys and stuff like that. As in car key trousers, not car broom yeah. broom keys. But then you think about now with the whole thing of like Facebook, Instagram, where there's that validation where people have that thing of they, they mm. need to acquire that many likes because if not they don't feel that they've they're, they're, they've hit their their mm. goal or that I read somewhere that couples who post a lot of pictures of themselves generally they're the ones who fundamentally have a lot of issues because it's like they're trying to portray their outward yeah. thing of wow, aren't they a happy couple? And then everyone else is trying to aspire to be the things that really aren't obtainable. And, and then it makes you think about modern life and you think about Facebook, Instagram, and just this whole thing and how people have become, and it's similar to like with the, um, with touching upon it very quickly, the, the obviously the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that suddenly people were coming out saying, oh, you, you know, Mr. Putin, I think you're terrible, you shouldn't do that, or you get these bloody stupid celebrities reading poems, like if I was your mm. mother, Plu Putin and stuff like that. It's like, no one cares. It's not the same as you complaining about like Southeastern Railways, about your train being late, and they'll reimburse you for your six pounds towards your next train ticket and stuff like that. You know, people believe that suddenly this, this instantation, instantaneous kind of, tweeting and, and moaning and, and everything else, you know, yields a result. It doesn't, you know, you mm -hmm. post a picture and then all your friends like it and stuff. And, you know, you've got so many thousands of followers, but fundamentally people just follow people to, to get a follow back. And it, mm -hmm. but then what's the value in that? If you've got say, you know, 6,000 followers, 
if only maybe even a hundred of those is just your real friends and the other people they're just trying to yeah to I don't know it's sell their pop things yeah what is it what's it all about mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting that you know you apply the the you know where they've um, in 1999, obviously, they're, they're blowing up the buildings of all the credit card companies to, to kind of start back to, to everyone from zero. I mean, how would they accomplish that now? You'd have hackers, wouldn't you? You'd, that'd be the, mm. that'd be the way. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't blow a building up to physically destroy the paper copies of you know, these things and the, where the servers are. You'd have the, yeah, the cloud would need to be taken down, but you know, it's, it's, it'd be interesting to see kind of a, a modern take on. Well, I wouldn't want to see a remake. That'd be the worst thing. For, doesn't for doesn't this. need it because it's based on, I think, on on the book at the time. Oh, absolutely. Did you did you know there's actually two sequels and a, and a prequel? No, I didn't know that at all. I just thought there was the there's one. There's a pre- prequel prequel short story and then two two graphic novels for for Fight Club two and three. So uh, the story does continue, and it's all it is all written by the by the author of the uh, the first book. Because um, mm, I did uh, Chuck. Oh, yeah, Chuck, yeah go, on. go on. No, no. What's his name? Chuck. What? Chuck. For 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 you. Are you getting your payback here? Aren't you? Um, Flanriuk. Flanriuk. It's my attempt at pronouncing that. I don't even know what it is. I tried to pronounce it a couple <laughs> of shows back during the news article, but no, it was. Um, it did create some real life spin offs, didn't it? Though, in terms of Fight Club, I think there was some yeah. um, pastor. Or some religious kind of um, uh, dean, or, or someone, and they and they really took it to heart in terms of you know what these. And then I come over a few more groups. They were really influenced in it to 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 try and take things down, you know, like Starbucks and, and bits. But I mean, mm-hmm. they they missed a point in 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 that in the movie. They're saying that the people who work in Starbucks are the people who are the ones who are part of the Fight Club. Almost, you know, that don't don't mess with them. They're the ones who serve you your coffee. Mm. Don't don't attack those particular people, you silly sods, you know. And and where does it say that in the Bible? You know, somewhere in the appendix, probably. But you know, open to interpretation. How about yourself then? How many stars would you would you give? Um, I enjoy. It. I mean, this is the thing. I enjoyed. It. I, I I don't know because I knew the twist was coming, I don't know whether, I think 20 odd years ago, I'd have turned around and said, yeah, four stars, absolutely. It's not mm-hmm. It's not the best movie I've ever seen, but I know where it's coming from, I get it. But I think now I've re-watched it again, I'd say three and a half. And I think it's, yeah. and, 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 and I don't know why, but I just, I didn't enjoy it as much second time round it's first time round. I think it's if it's a movie that you come in at cold, you'll super yeah. super love it. You really will. It's it's one of those movies you experience once and then watch again. Yeah. And you once pick you, up all once the you've bits. seen it that first time, it's it's never the same. It's never the same movie because you always see it from the the, the twist at, at the end. Well, exactly. And, uh, but but like I say, it, it, it's a it's a movie. I think the more you watch, the more. More of the subtleties you'll 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 recognise and, and pick out because I I picked up you know bits mm. this time round and then had a little bit of a read up afterwards and it's like oh yeah there's that as well and that as well mm. and, and there's just so much depth. To, well, I think uh, second to, time round, second time round you're watching a completely different movie yeah. because you, because you know what happens and so mm. you go oh right yeah and then you've got that 
head on that whenever everything's kind of going on, whereas before when you're watching it, perhaps you maybe felt confused, you have that clarity. Mm. And so suddenly you, you're actually seeing that scene in a different kind of perception. So that, that in itself is, 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 is clever. Reminds me of something I saw ages ago. Um, it was a, um, a play called Scarborough. And you could buy the script because what it was, it was set in a hotel room. And so you went and it was a very large ho uh, hotel room or the set was a hotel room. There was no proper seats for the audience to be in. You were just basically scattered around the rim of this, this room. And then the actors came in and they portrayed these things. And, and what it was very briefly was that the first half was a young or was this 16 year old boy or 15 year old boy with his uh, teacher who he is having sex with, a female teacher who he's having sex with. And it was about how he really wanted to have a relationship with her, but she was saying, no, I've got to break it off because of you know the fact that you are so young and I'm this one. And, and you could really see the turmoil in in, in the in the kind of adult females kind of mind then basically they flipped it the second half and you had a 15 year old girl and a mature adult male saying exactly the same words but the way that you interpreted it was like right the, the adult male has had his fun with this 15 year old girl and then suddenly realized what he's done is wrong and he's trying to back out a bit and kind of get mm -hmm. but but everything was exactly the same but it was just really wow. interesting in terms of how, from what you'd seen, and perhaps the prejudices and, 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 and everything, your, your own kind of viewpoint on it influenced how you were seeing these different characters, but they were saying exactly the same things. And, it, and yeah, so as, I mean, I know it's not Fight Club, but yes, I think absolutely, second time around of watching it, you, you do watch like a, a completely different film. Yeah. Yeah, three and a half stars, I think. Have a little taste 
Don't lose your cool And start messing up the man's place Ain't no harm Take a little nip But don't you fall down And bust your lips No, no This is a long news story, so you might want to get comfortable. I'll try to read it as quickly as possible. <laughs> and you might get some ideas, listeners. A mum is breastfeeding her boyfriend 20 years after having children. Jennifer Mulford took time off from her job as a bartender to establish breastfeeding because she wanted to start an adult breastfeeding relationship, ABR, with Brad Leeson. Because she has not given birth to a baby, she and Brad, 36, need to dry feed every two hours to fool her body into thinking she is feeding a child so she starts producing milk. Jennifer was single when she stumbled across a website about ABR. She said, When I read about the bond breastfeeding could create between two people, I was envious. I have always enjoyed my breasts being touched during sex more than anything else, so I knew I would enjoy it. Jennifer from Atlanta started searching for men who would be open to the idea of adult breastfeeding. When I first read about the pure joy it brought others, I was desperate to seek out a partner to share an emotional bond with. I used dating sites put messages on ABR forums, and even put an advert up on Craigslist. But I drew a blank. I started to think I'd never get to try adult breastfeeding. Finally, she started chatting about the idea one night to Brad, an old boyfriend from school. We were talking and Brad told me he had a thing for big-breasted women, and that size has always been a factor in his relationships. I thought it was perfect if I, I thought it was the perfect time to bring up adult breastfeeding and see if he'd be interested, said Jennifer. Thankfully, Brad was instantly open to the idea. It was like a light switch flicked in his head. I could tell from his voice that he was curious and excited. He started doing his own research into ABR and they soon became more than just friends. She said at that moment, I knew that I had a partner for life. We both wanted the same thing out of the relationship, a magical bond that only breastfeeding can achieve. Because Jennifer hadn't breastfed for over 20 years, she had no milk to feed Brad with. The couple need to induce lactation by dry feeding and pumping her breasts every two hours, just as if she was feeding a baby. I've taken a break from my job because I want to devote everything to making this work, she said. If Brad is out, 
Jennifer uses a pump or her hand so her body thinks someone is feeding. They then even have an alarm so they can feed during the night. Fuck that, I say. Nights have, been a sing- uh, nights have been a struggle because Brad sleeps so peacefully, but we manage to cope until he falls asleep latched onto me, which is beautiful, she admitted. To help bring milk and Jennifer drinks mother's milk tea, a herbal drink which is said to imitate female hormones and increase or maintain milk supply three times a day. She also is taking a herbal pill, Lactiful, and has added oatmeal and flax seeds to her diet, which is said to help milk supply. There are other benefits for Jennifer and Brad. As a self-confessed gym buff, Brad is excited about the health benefits he'll receive from Jennifer's milk. Brad goes to the gym because it makes him feel good about himself knowing he is in shape, healthy lifestyle. He also tells me all the time that he does it for me because he wants other women to feel jealous of what I have, said Jennifer. He is a real alpha male, but behind closed doors, this relationship lets him put his guard down, be submissive, and allow himself to be loved 100%. Jennifer is proud of her relationship, but doesn't want to feed him in public. (laughs) Uh, If it was up to Brad, we would but it's very private to me. I'll never say never, but I love the time we spend nursing alone. It's our time away from the rest of the world, and I look forward to every feed. Nearly finished. The couple have to get married in the near future. Sorry, the, the couple hope to get married in the near future, but they have ruled out having any children together. They both have children from previous relationships. We are content with each other, what we've got, but I can't wait to be Mrs. Leeson one day. Jennifer breastfed her own daughter, now 20, for eight months. I can still remember the connection I felt with her as I held her and fed. It's something I will never forget. So far, nursing is going well. After three days, my breasts were starting to feel sore, but I'm willing to push through any pain for our end goal. The couple have also faced other problems. It's been difficult to distinguish the difference between nurturing and sex, Jennifer explained. Although it's so beautiful and peaceful, it's also erotic. It's been hard to get through the first few nursing sessions without being tempted to have sex, but each time it's getting easier. Jennifer and Brad have only told a couple of their friends, and obviously the local newspaper and the national papers and everyone else, about their unusual relationship. I'm not not opposed to telling people, but I don't think many others would understand. I don't think my mother would grasp the idea but I wish I could tell the world. Jennifer expects it all to take about two months for her milk to come in, but once it does, they intend to carry on for as long as they can. Right, last paragraph. This is a lifestyle we have chosen. We look forward to years from now, still needing and wanting each other. I can come home from a very stressful day and seconds after Brad latching on, I feel a sense of peace and calm. For that time, I feel like we've become one. I have yet to feel anything more comforting. It's a bond that no one can come between us. Well, there you go. Long story. All I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is the first rule of Adult Breastfeeding Club should be you don't talk about Adult Breastfeeding Club. Yeah. Next next little segment. We've, we've already mentioned um, consumerism yeah. through the, the Fight Club and we've mentioned, mentioned a few 
um, branded names as well. And I, I must admit, I, I got into a little bit of a, a conversation with my daughter recently on the pronunciation of, of a few brands that she 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 likes, and it, it got me thinking: are there are there particular ways of, of, of actually saying, or, or the correct way of actually saying some of these brand names, and we've been getting it wrong all this all this time. And uh, I've, I've looked into a few, and I know I sent you a little list of, of some over, mm -hmm. and I was interested initially to hear your pronunciation of, of these, and then I can let you know if it's if it's the correct pronunciation or not. <coughs> All right, so I've got the list. Interest, just see if you... Yeah. So I'll, I can I, I can read them out to you, if you like. Yeah, if you, if you, read, if you read them out, um, how you pronounce it, and then I'll, I'll read it out, I'll read out the, the correct way of, of pronouncing it, and we'll see if we can... Obviously, uh, see, see how many I get right. You know, as, as, as correct. All right, yeah. so the first one is Nute Nutella. Nutella is correct, yes. Not yeah. Nutella, as Nutella. I always call Well, it. did you know that 25% of the world's hazelnuts are used by Nutella for their chocolate? Wow. Beer. So a quarter of the world's um, <clears throat> hazelnuts. Uh, Ikea. IKEA is correct. Thank yes. you. And do you know what IKEA I, IKEA, do you know what IKEA stands for? Oh, I've no idea. So it stands for <laughs> Ingvar Kamprad, which is the name of the guy who invented it. Yeah. So I K, Elmtragd, which is the farm that he grew up in, in his hometown of Agnyard. So Ingvar Kamprad Elmtrag. And after a few stellars, it's impossible to uh, pronounce. Um, Hyundai. Um, no, it's actually pronounced Hyundai. 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 Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, Nike. Nike is correct. Yeah, this is this is one of those that I I had the uh, the debate with with my with my daughter. She still claims it's Nike. Uh, but it is it is Nike. It's, it's uh, unlike IKEA, uh, IKEA. Sorry, uh, this is the the goddess of victory from Greek mythology. That's right. If you mm -hmm. knew that one, uh, Ocarini. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Ocado. If I, if I, as as um, predictive text come in, that should be Ocado. Oh, that's Ocado. Ocado. Yeah. What's Ocado? That's the um, or, or, the online. Ocado. Ocado is actually the Ocado. correct. Ocado. Uh, correct. What does that mean? Ocado. Ocado. What does that mean? I've got not got a clue. Not got yeah, a clue. Uh, I didn't go that. I didn't go that deep. Unfortunately. And then Givenchy. Givenchy. Yeah, yeah that's right. For Givenchy. Um, Volkswagen, not wagon. Volkswagen. Uh, Volkswagen, Vox, Volkswagen. Yeah, Volkswagen. There should be an umlaut in there somewhere. Uh, and then uh, Huawei. Uh, it's it's uh, Huawei. Huawei. Oh, it's just it's a, Huawei. It's just not a, Huawei. Uh, this is opposed to Huawei. Oh, right. It's just not a Huawei. Huawei, as in a Newcastle no, no. brand. <laughs> as I think I, I when I first saw this brand, yeah, called it um, Hawaii. But no, Huawei. No, uh, Adidas. Adidas is, is correct, yes. That's, an, that's another one that's... I know, I know at school it was either Adidas or, or Adidas. Well, there's this thing. Depending on... Because when I was younger, I don't know if you ever... Like, when someone said, oh, what did Adidas stand for? And it was all day I dream about soccer. But that is incorrect. Because what it was is there was two brothers 
and they owned a company that was called the Dassler Brothers Shoe Factory, right? And that was in the early, uh, early 20s, I think it was, 1924. In 1948, they split, right? They had a massive falling out. So one of the brothers called Adolf, he, because his shortened name was Addy, so, and then Das was Dassler, so his name was Adolf Dassler. He created Adidas, and his brother then created the Puma brand. So from wow. this, these brothers had this argument, they separated and then had rival companies. There you go. Uh, next one is Pret-a-Manger. Uh, it's Pret-a-Manger. Yeah, uh, not Pret-a-Manger or, or, Man or, or Manger. 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 Do, you know, do you know what it means? <laughs> uh, again, no, not a clue. Go on, it's enlighten French me. for ready to eat. Wow. Yes, and then you've uh, Lidl. Lidl, as opposed to Lidl. Lidl, is that Lidl. the surname yep. of the... Um, Lidl. Uh, Adobe? Uh, Adobe, yes, uh, as opposed to Adobe. Adobe, Adobe yes. Adobe is correct. And then Hermes? Uh, it's actually Hermes. Hermes. The, the, the H, the H is Is silent. it H? Is Hermes. it H or H? H or H? Ooh. H? When people say, it. I think H. it's H. Is it not? Or H. H. H or H. H. <laughs> Ferrero Rocher. Ferrero, yes, Ferrero Rocher, not Ferrero Rocher, as uh, some people pronounce. Because that's actually, so Ferrero is the surname of the person who uh, created the company, and Rocher is the French for rock or boulder. That's why. And I think when they first established them, they had problems with the um, the wrapper getting the uh, the uh, sticker on them. And the last one is crispy creme. It's actually crispy cream. Crispy cream. Crispy cream. I was called crispy cream. Those donuts are the only ones that make my teeth itch. Literally, the amount of sugar in them. <laughs> I'm just like. Goodness me, it's uh, they do taste good. Though. There we yeah. go. In the, in the last show, there was this, uh, we, we had a mention of the other podcast that you do about uh, the, the greatest hangover cure is to drink more alcohol. And it was a Dr. Carl website, which I assumed that was you, Carl. Alas, no, not that I'm going to admit to. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quiz you on, <laughs> on things that probably a doctor would know about or somebody who's just very attuned to biology, perhaps. Oh, correct. I have 15 questions, right? 15. Yep. But don't worry, some of them are multiple choice. Some of them are true or false. Don't worry about it. I'll try and keep a score. If you're sitting comfortably, I will start your uh, first 15 questions. Maybe we should do a... We haven't done this for a little we while. Should do, we? we should do Mastermind. <laughs> this is what it is. I need the Mastermind theme to... It is Mastermind, yeah. Cue the music. Boom, 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 boom. All right. So, number one, Dr. Carl, or not, 
How much saliva does your mouth produce each day? Is it one, two, or three litres? Three litres. Next question. How fast do sneezers travel? I'm not going to give you an, I'm not going to give you an options here. Oh, you're no, not no options, no, no um, options. I've realised I've, I've missed that number two. It's gone from one to three here. Bloody hell. So you get, you've, <laughs> got, you've only got two. 14 questions now. Oh, okay. Can you not give me two afterwards? I can't, no. No. Come back? No, no, it's fine, it's fine. No. Oh. I don't know okay. where number three is. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 12, 12 and a half miles an hour. Number three, number three. True or false? Laid end to end, an adult's blood vessels could circle the Earth equator four times. False. How many kilograms of skin cells do you shed each year? Is it four, five, or six kilograms? Six. What part of your body doesn't feel pain? There's no multiple choices, just you've got to guess. What part of your body doesn't feel pain? Ooh. Come on. Your hair. True or false? The word muscle comes from the Latin term meaning little mouse, which is what ancient Romans thought flecked bicep muscles resembled. True or false? That sounds so bizarre, I'm going to say true. Number seven. Information zooms along your nerves at either 300, 400 or 500 kilometres per hour. Uh, I'm going to go four. Uh, next question. True or false? The average person has 20 different species of bacteria in their belly button. Oh, it's got to be true. How fast are coughs? I'm going to go eight miles an hour. Next question. True or false? Human teeth are just as strong as shark teeth. Sounds like it shouldn't be true, but I'm going to say true. Okay, next question, number 11. Your left lung is about how much percent smaller than your right one? Is it 5, 10, or 15 percent? 5. And question number 12. What is your body's strongest muscle? I say it's your leg, it's your thigh muscles. Torn between that and your stomach, but I'm going to go with thigh. All right. And question 13, true or false, scientists estimate that the nose can recognise a billion different scents. Yeah, true. And your final question, what part of the body sweats the most? Torn between hands and feet. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with feet. Okay, there, you can rest easy now, Carl. Your quiz has wow. now finished. <laughs> right, so we shall go through right. these, the answers. So the first question was, how much saliva does your mouth produce each day? One, two, or three litres? You said three litres. The correct answer is one litre. So you got that incorrect. How fast do sneezers travel? You said 12 and a half miles per hour. The actual answer is 100 miles per hour. Wow. Yes, so there you go. That's why coronavirus, this is why Ventilation should be the new norm, right? People seem to think, oh yes, it's all fine. Let's go back to normal. No, ventilation 
key, really. And uh, it stop a lot of people from catching the flus and generally just all nasty, shitty diseases that we get from each other. So next question is true or false, laid end to end and adults' blood vessels could circle Earth's equator four times. You said this is false. It's actually true. Amazing. It is, it is. And how many uh, kilograms of skin cells, hang on, uh, sorry, how many kilograms of skin cells do we shed each year? Four, five, or six kilograms? You said six kilograms, we only shed four. I know. Not doing too no. well, am I? And what part of your body doesn't feel any pain? Your brain. Your brain doesn't feel any pain. Of course it shouldn't do. It, yeah. it processes mm. it, but it doesn't actually experience it itself. So hair, close, but no cigars. Next is, uh, true or false, the word muscle comes from the Latin term meaning little mouse, which is what ancient Romans thought flexed bicep muscles resembled. You said true, it is true. Information zooms along nerves at about three, four, or 500 kilometers per hour. You said 400 kilometers per hour. You are correct. Number nine, true or false, the average person has 20 different species of bacteria in their belly button. You said this is true. It's actually false. We don't have 20 different species of bacteria. We have more. 67 bacteria mm. in our belly buttons. Maybe more for some people, I don't know. Next question, question number nine, is how fast are coughs? You said eight miles per hour, coughs 60 miles per hour. They shoot out of your mouth. Question number 10, human teeth are just as strong as shark's teeth? That is true, and you said it was true. Uh, number 11, your left lung is about how much percent smaller than your right one? You said 5% is actually 10%. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, what is your body's strongest muscle? Now you were torn between the leg and the stomach. Is that correct? Yeah, the sort of abdomen area, but I suppose that's made up of lots of muscles, isn't it? So... So I've, I've gone for like the, the thigh. Well, pound for pound, the strongest muscle in your body is your tongue. Wow, okay. Yes. Uh, next question. Scientists estimate that the nose can recognise a billion different scents. So you said that was true. It's actually false. It's not a billion. It's a trillion different scents that we can smell. And what body part sweats the most? It is indeed your feet, you are correct. There are 500,000 sweat glands in your feet. So, Carl Reader, I can confirm that after your 14 questions on medical questions, you have scored the grand total of one, two, three, Four out of 14, thus mm. confirming that you don't have a separate podcast in which you masquerade <laughs> yourself as Dr. Carl. 
Or do I? And I've deliberately got these questions wrong to throw you off the scent. No. <laughs> I'll tell you something. You might be... Uh, you, you, you might not be a doctor, but you might be better at guessing the original or cover. Well, well we're about to find so out, aren't we? What's, what's the, the score? score? Is what's the score? 15-14 to me. Mm. Yes. I thought it was to me. Oh, you got it wrong because you uh, hadn't listened to the show where I played you the um, On Night by Richard Hawley. Hold on. I've got 15-15 here written down for the last 15, show. 15-15? Is it 15-15? Mm. Oh, it's 15, 15, oh, that's right, because it's 15-14 to me. And then you got it correct last show, didn't you? Because you guessed... It's a good job I wrote that down, isn't it? You guessed it correctly in that... Um, <laughs> what, was, what was it? It was the uh, Travelling Riverside Blues, wasn't it? That I, it was the yes. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. All right. 15 all. So anyway, so this is to uh, creep yourself into the lead. So this is a song by Reckless Eric called Whole Wide World.
So first question, as always, did you enjoy the song? I did actually, yes. I don't believe I've heard this song before, ever. Um, it had a, a, a bit of a, a kind of a, a, a rock and roll slash grunge vibe to it, which I thought was, was kind of quite strange to begin with, but I, I did really enjoy, enjoy the song. I don't think I've even heard of this artist before or not consciously, uh, you know, they're aware of them. So it, it was it was definitely a very interesting one to um, to send over. So thank That's you. Right. Well, the first that. time I ever heard it was from the film Stranger Than Fiction with uh, Will Ferrell uh, in it, Emma Thompson and mm-hmm. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. Do you know who that is? I couldn't, I couldn't tell. No, neither can I. Neither, neither can I. Ah, we'll find out from the next show. Indeed. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm four beers down, so uh, I can't remember much. So, yeah, what, what do you... What do you uh, it's an easy song to learn, actually, on guitar. If anyone like that is uh, yeah. a budding a guitarist, not too difficult. It's, in terms of original cover, and initially it sounds like it should be a cover because it, it kind of combines that rock and roll with that, that grunge vibe from from the 90s um but i'm gonna say it's an original damn you carl it's an original oh yes <clears throat> 16 15 yes reckless eric it's from the 70s actually um i am not i am not wow. familiar with any of his other songs as i said i first heard it from the film stranger than fiction which is in re- it as, as films go, it's a very peculiar film. One of the things I took from there is wonderful, like Will Ferrell's character. He goes up to this lady who's a baker and he says, oh, I've bought you some flowers. And you think of normal, you know, um, uh, peonies or lilies or a flower, but he's actually bought her different types of flowers. And so he's got these like, yes, exactly. he's got these like things here. Yeah. And, and what it is, is um, uh, I won't ruin the story for anything, for anybody who hasn't seen the movie yet. Maybe we should do a review of it. But um, he, um, he learns to play the song, The Whole Wide World, in this movie. And it was from that, that I was like, oh, who does the original to this? And I must admit, I mean, I know I've gone about like, you know, the, the excitement of when we were little, of listening to the radio, of learning that our school has closed because of the bad weather. But I do love Shazam's. I do love the fact that, yeah, you can you can find the song. But then I guess it maybe it's that whole thing of, you know, that adventure of seeking out that song, that it's not instant, yes, yeah, not instant gratification. So here you go. This is a really messed up news story for everybody. I thought I'd say this to last. A dad has been jailed after marrying and having sex with his 20-year-old daughter after abandoning her as a child. Travis Field Grove was jailed for having sex with his wife, Samantha Kirshner, who was also the daughter he abandoned shortly after she was born. Kirshner, who was 20 when they started their relationship, was as keen to get going as her dad. She also bet her half-sister she could have sex with Theogrove before her, court documents heard. When the law finally caught up with them, the dad from St Paul's in Nebraska, 
another American story here. Yes, you can see the thread of these. Was sentenced to the state's maximum of two years in jail. A year later, he received another two years for the same crime, attempted incest. Kashner was handed the 22 days in jail. When Kashner was born in 2000, her dad left to start a new life with a new partner. When she turned 17, he came back. Three years later, they started having a sexual relationship with one another. The authorities first got involved when Fieldgrove's ex went to them to make claims about the illicit relationship. Invest investigators started looking into the allegations and quickly discovered that the pair had been bragging about their life together on Facebook. Shortly after police became involved, Fieldgrove and Kirshner got married. Cops said Samantha's sexual desire for her dad stemmed from a jealous competition with her half-sister regarding who could have sex with their father. At first, the pair denied that they were related, but those arguments fell by the wayside. The DNA test was found that there was a 99.999% chance Travis was her dad. As well as being locked up, Phil Grobe was ordered to not contact his daughter upon his release. It's not clear what he's up to now or whether he's in touch with his daughter stroke wife. Yet Travis wrote on Facebook in November last year, Good morning, y'all. I know one thing, I can't wait to go home. I've got one month and 16 left, days left, sorry. Can't wait, but being in prison again made me realize something this time, and that life's too short and I'm tired of wasting my life. So there you go, what a uh, interesting story. Mm. It's been a bit of a theme with your new stories this show, isn't it? Between, um, we've had sort of babies and flirting and breastfeeding and incest. They're all, all these stories stem from America, funnily enough, quite bizarre. Hmm. See what is bizarre? Some movie, Urban Legends, they're very peculiar. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've got one for you here. So uh, I'm, I'm going to see if you can guess whether this is true or not. So uh, um, maybe maybe a bit of a, a kind of a, a semi-regular thing again. Um, keep, keep a score, see if you can get these right. So uh, unless you've already looked into a load of these and you know them already. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, I've got a few. Okay. I've got one. Do you want me to tell you what my one is first? And this is this is something that I once asked my German teacher whether it was true or not. So a 14-year-old me asking Mr. Huckstep in my German lesson, 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 whether it was true that Richard Gere got a gerbil stuck up his bottom. Because <laughs> <laughs> the idea was back in the, and the well, apparently right in the 70s or 80s, I can't remember, can't quite remember. It was this. It was. It was the the thing to do was that you'd get a, you'd, you'd get a, a condom, and in the tip of the condom, you would put a load of cocaine, and then the idea was that you would get a gerbil, you'd zap the gerbil into the uh, condom, and then he would be, they would be high as a kite, and then you'd quickly jam this thing up your orifice. 
And then as it's thrashing about, it's meant to be the most magnificent thing ever. But apparently, according to this uh, urban legend, the gerbil managed to gnaw through the latex sheath and enter into Richard Gere's colon, which obviously would have been absolutely disastrous for him. Um, so I don't think that, that, that thing particularly thing happened. No, I'm going to say that one's false. I think it's false. I think it's false. Absolutely. Okay. Mm. Well, the one, one, the one I've got for you is uh, <laughs> a, a, a lot less bizarre than that, thankfully. But I've got one for you here is 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 a relation to the Empire Strikes Back, and the uh, the, the the excellent scene of um, Han and Leia trying to uh, escape the, uh, the the Empire through the asteroid field. And um, within that asteroid field, uh, to actually make the appearance of asteroids, the special effects guys used potatoes. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, th is, is, is it true or is it false? I would say it's probably true. It is true, it is true, yeah. So uh, apparently the, uh, the asteroids further in the background were simply potatoes. Well, why not? You know, got to make use of, uh, you know, what you've got. Why, why do a little potato mache? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When, when a hot potato will do. And you can eat it afterwards as well. So, you know, you finish doing a shoot. Oh, I feel famished. <laughs> We've had a 12 hour day. What does anyone fancy? Oh, local takeaway shop. A bit of, a bit of, bit of mash. Why not? A little bit of mash, a little bit of, uh, yeah, who knows? But I thought you were going to mention about, because um, there is an urban myth about Harrison Ford, about how he obtained his uh, break in the Star Wars movies as Han Solo. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, mm, it was mentioned that he was a carpenter on set, and that uh, on the Star Wars set, and George Lucas noticed Harrison Ford and said, oh, you should read for the part of Han Solo. And that he did, and that's how he got the role. Do you believe that to be something is true or false? No. I, I believe that's false because Harrison Ford appeared in American Graffiti, which was the movie before Star Wars that George Lucas made. Yes, absolutely. I had read that yes, although he was a carpenter on the set of Star Wars, that is his side hustle. Mm -hmm. And that he had been cast, as you say, previously in the 1973 movie, American Graffiti. Um, he'd also starred in Francis Ward Coppola's movies, The Conversation and Apocalypse Now. And, I, and, yeah. I, and from what I can read, that Harrison Ford was doing some um, work on Francis Ford Coppola's house, some carpentry work, when George Lucas visited and he mentioned to Harrison Ford, oh look, I think you should read for the, uh, the part of Harrison Ford, uh, of, of uh, Han Solo, which is then how they, um, how well, how he landed the part. Well, that's good. There's some urban legends there. Cause uh, something else I did have, which obviously you don't think you mentioned, but about Walt Disney, is that his body was chronogenically, or however you pronounce it, 
cryogenically frozen. But I thought it was his head. Mm. But yes, I thought it was his head as well. Yeah, but apparently, he's, well, apparently it's not true. There's that one. But uh, there we go. Oh man, I just feel like I'm out of bed. Terrible year, the smell. 
I was asked at a job interview how I perform under pressure. Badly, I said. I always end up singing Ice Ice Baby. Mm. <laughs> Took me a moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bit of the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs>